when Facebook first started, I used to put online that it's a lot of fun, that it was like a online cocktail party. You meet somebody, you shoot a breeze, and off you go, and you sure. have a chit-chat. And then everything changed. I don't get Facebook, and I'm going somewhere with this. but Of course, yeah. Well, I, I know when it changed, but... When did it change? Well, it changed when they started charging to access your audience. You, you had free reign before, and businesses would advertise, but... When they started to significantly monetize people's own audiences, and you, if you had a thousand Facebook friends, maybe they would allow you to get reach to two, three hundred of the most interested in your content, but everybody else, people that would normally just scroll past it, not really engage with it much at all, those people you couldn't get in front of until you paid. So they basically monetized the individual's access to their own audience, not just business. I think that's when, when it significantly changed. I think I've been a cowbell when it comes to social media because I had well over a couple thousand people on Facebook. You remember I screwed up. I kind of did with uh, Twitter. I had a massive following before there was even a massive following. Yeah, yeah. And I just dumped everything and said, these people are, and I couldn't describe it. I couldn't, I literally couldn't describe it. I would say to things, people like, you know, you're having a conversation and all of a sudden that would pop up on your search engine. And you had people years ago saying, oh, they don't listen to you. There's no way. Well, we know that they do. Conversations are monitored. And I'm not saying that, you know, the spooky guy behind the, the tree is listening to everything with you with the, uh, you know, spy, I spy jacket. But, you know, it's the technology is amazing. What I did, though, is I got rid of everybody and then I slowly reacquainted because I felt so violated. Well, here's the funny thing about that. A lot of there, there's... A lot of interesting conspiracy about, you know, oh, I, I said a thing or I, I thought of a thing or I chatted with somebody and now it's popping up in my suggestions or search history and stuff like that. Yeah, if you type it in, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, then people thought, oh, they're listening to me and all that sort of stuff. And Facebook definitely was listening to people. What they were doing with it, nobody really knows. It's kind of a... I don't know, super top secret at this point that that even happened. But there was a period in time, I think Apple was the one that was able to curtail it because everybody because Apple introduced that thing. I honestly think that's, that's one of the main reasons Apple released um, that privacy feature where if your microphone or camera is being used, a little dot comes up on your screen. Mm -hmm. um, and they made that so core to the operating system that basically any normal program that you run on your computer or your iPhone, for example, uh, would surface that. And... That that was in response to Facebook for like six months was sending, people noticed huge battery drains and they were like, what's going on? So more sophisticated security researchers figured out that, yeah, Facebook's sending your audio over the thing. And it, not just, it didn't just apply to Facebook, but it also applied to, I'm not for certain, but I want to say it also applied to their advertising software kit that other apps included in their software. And so it just caused apps that under normal circumstances, wouldn't use much battery to drain it. Crazy. And yeah, that, that was a huge thing. And nobody, everybody kind of brushed that under the rug. Nobody ever asked Facebook what they were doing with that data. But the thing that is, is very interesting about all that, in particular with other systems, Facebook aside, was, um, at least in my view, it really opened my eyes to how everybody thinks they're their own special little snowflake out there. You have your own unique thoughts. And wow, every, everybody's so special and different. Until big data comes and looks at you and realizes that, yeah, you're just like these other 4,000 people. And, you know, Bob in Topeka, you don't know who he is. You've never met him. You haven't been within a thousand miles of him ever. But uh, for some reason, when he 
starts researching something or buys something, it seems like everybody in his cohort goes out and buys, you know, these new tennis shoes or are interested in this new car or whatever. And there's, there's cohorts of people that think and act very, very similarly. And that's one of the very kind of interesting demographical demographic things that these social media companies never really did anything with other than try and monetize. There's never any, there's never any real research. And why do these people think so similarly? But anyway, that's just my, my little caveat, my little observation that I learned off of that was. I dumped everybody from Facebook. I don't know if you remember this. I'm going to tell the part two and then go back and tell part one. And then I'm going to go to part three. So it's going to be disjointed and it's in sequencing. But I got in trouble with Facebook when I was... Do you remember when they went Facebook Live? Yeah, when I was new. I was like one of the very first ones, literally. Uh, nobody in our in any of my people. Yeah, they rolled it out to people who were more active. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny? Back then, I did a video. I'd get two, three, four hundred views instantaneously. I mean, like off the charts. Granted, it was new. And I've done some stupid stuff and some really creative stuff, but it was always a little bit ahead of everybody else because of what we do. I mean, it's just natural. Now you, well, it's again, not that this, special. Well, and again, this was also in the time period when Facebook would distribute your content to the people that you were exactly, friends with. Exactly. To, to, to your followers, if you're a business account, you didn't have to pay to access them. So it was just organic based on whether, you know, yeah. how, how it just naturally distributed. Well, then it went from like, <clears throat> I think when I was peaking, I was peaking at, Pretty close to five, six hundred views every time I did something. And I put some time into it and made it, you know, cool. Yeah, sure. Um, but then it went down to like 10, 3, 12. It was like, oh, this is this sucks. Yeah, and that happened to everybody. I mean, unless you're posting political memes and like stupid stuff. If it was anywhere remotely close to business stuff or or people that it identified as uh, they, people they could milk for advertising revenue, like across the board, businesses talked about how Facebook used to be a great channel to get information or, or in the case of like businesses that sell products, you know, get stuff out in front of people. Uh, people used to talk about fantastic cheap uh, distribution channel. Oh, yeah. And how immediately they went from paying effectively nothing for it to having to pay thousands of dollars a month to access their existing audience. So and a lot of companies did that because they didn't have any other choice. Let's not forget to come back to that on, on the lack of return on investment. Yes. So one of the things I did is I began figuring out that when I talked about anything conservative, it I, I had, didn't have a word for it. But today we're going to call it throttling down. I, I get nothing. But when I started saying things that were very liberal, very edgy, uh, the views would go right through the roof. And I found that I had people who became friends that I never, ever uh, connected with. Yeah, I, I just, how did they? I would walk around the office saying, you know, cussing up and down like a sailor saying, what the hell's going on? I accumulated 30 new friends today on Facebook, or at least I saw them. I don't know who any of these people are. And they're all people I'm not going to, I would never hang with. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. Um, the next thing is I started talking about this. I had a friend, well, it's not a friend, it's an acquaintance from years ago, retired deputy sheriff down in the Bay Area. Let's just make it real broad like that. And he got online and, you, you know, you no good, dirty, four flushing piece of dirt. And I had to get to him privately, and I said, you know, we'll have a phone call. I don't want to do this on here because I'm doing something. And I had several guys, a couple of people from Tampa Police Department, and some of these guys I didn't respond back to. But, man, I was like persona non grata because I was, you know, basically doing, you know, 
everybody's live but cops matter and that kind of thing. I mean, just I just, man, I got all sorts of weirdos that came in. All the ads I started getting were ads for Bernie Sanders, let's say, and those kinds of things. It was just like instantaneous. I didn't visit any site. I just was verbalizing it. And so I said to myself, okay, this is pretty cool. Then what I did, there was a TV show, and I don't remember what it was. It'll come to me. But I, I played it in the background. And you know how you do the same thing. We'll watch a show and we'll look up somebody to see where they are, right? Yeah, of so course. I, yeah, I did that the other day with uh, F Troop. Everybody from F Troop is now dead. One of the stars of the show, show is Larry Sorch, and he died at 99 last year. So they're all gone, right? Forrest Tucker and just you know, all these guys, Ken Berry, they're all gone. And I just thought it was kind of cool just to look that up. So I did something like that, and I, I realized that in the background, this TV show was playing. So I started typing in J-E, we'll use Seinfeld, J-E, and the first response that came up on my Google search was Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Like, what? And I, I did that like eight, nine, ten different times of different TV shows playing in the background. And I was start to type, you know, like, let's say a John Wayne movie's playing. Let's just use that for an example. J-O-H, John Wayne would come up. And I started thinking, holy crap, this is like... Is Google listening to me too? What's going on here? Because it was just too weird. So what I did is I went to Facebook and I showed, okay, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Facebook Live. I'm going to play this in the background and I want you to do a search right now. I had a whole bunch of people do that. That's when I got banned. Remember I got banned for like 30 days, like gone. And they, they, they coached it because they said uh, there was a music playing in the background, which was um, copyrighted. That's BS. So let's go all the way back to when I was Paul at AOL.com. Do you remember when I got banned from then? Uh, Uh, Vaguely. We just had chat features. All you could do is just type, you know, it was just chat. And I used the word gay by saying this is like the gay 90s or the gay 2000s. You know, it was referenced to a time frame. And back then you couldn't say the word gay. I mean, you couldn't say it. You got banned for it. So I, I, I get this article. I was thinking about that because there's a, a company now called Liberty Oil Field Services. It trades on uh, the exchange under the LBRT symbol. And the, we talked about this the other day. The CEO um, basically has said hogwash to climate change. And he's like, you, you, you cannot run everything on wind, solar. It's not going to work. You and I were talking about this a little, little while ago for if we did it here at the office. And he wrote a, an opinion piece and put out, you know, sure. yeah. yep, on LinkedIn, and they banned him. Oh. So even LinkedIn does banning. Well, it's Microsoft, so yeah. Well, here's the thing. I have noticed the exact same thing on LinkedIn. The, the policies and procedures that were, you know, disgusting with Facebook are now becoming pretty common on, Facebook, on LinkedIn. And well, I, yeah, I just because, find it disgusting. Like, but it makes sense because all the, you know... Uh, let's call it non-children who use social media are on LinkedIn now. And, you know, you've, you've mentioned it over the past few months because you use it way more than I do. Uh, LinkedIn has become just a cesspool of political discussion and all kinds of other crap, to- totally unrelated to business. Business topics are focused on uh, human resources, really silly. Yeah. Human resources related topics that we all know are just, Oh, Wow. Johnny got a promotion and congratulations. He's doing, you know, it's just stupid stuff. Nobody cares about, um, you know, the think pieces are all just uh, self-interested, 
just navel gazing. You know, oh, I I, I donated to this. <laughs> you got to say that again. Just navel gazing. Yeah, I love that. You know, just oh, I'm such a great person because we donated all this money to this charity. Yep, we helped this one homeless guy. Blah blah blah. And it's like, oh, okay, great, yeah, great, but it wasn't you. You know, it's just it's it's just BS. It's there's very little. Uh, of any substance going on there, at least, at least in my view. I mean, I've, I've seen more and more of it. There used to be, it seemed like a lot of people trying to use face or, uh, there you go. My mind's melding them together. Um, LinkedIn, a lot of people trying to use it for, uh, like, you know, Oh, I'm writing little blog posts and here's stuff that's going on and whatever. And it seems like all that's at least all the useful stuff has died off a cliff. You know, it's, I remember there's a guy who mocks, uh, LinkedIn posts and he, uh, he was mocking these people who, oh, the rise and grind, you know, road warrior people who are, you know, they're out there to save their company every 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 cent they can while they're out there on the road traveling. And he made this viral meme where he, uh, what did he do? He like cooked a chicken breast in a uh, in a coffee machine. In a, in a hotel. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and it was it, got, gr- it was great. It went viral because people thought it was real. I mean, that's how ridiculous <laughs> the content on on LinkedIn had gotten. And it was just like the guy who did it is, is just an extreme joke. Of course, the the real joke these days is you have to stay in a really low low rent place to even get a coffee machine now. <laughs> now they give you these little pod things because we all know hotel staff would be hard pressed to properly clean a coffee machine. But anyway, well, it's true. Yeah, it's true. But I was, I, you know, I kind of just, I, I have something else I want to move on to. Be, uh, but the other thing is, is, is this. If you say anything that's anti-vaccine, warnings that go up everywhere on social media, right? Oh, yeah. And, and you're going to get tossed. Uh, I got in trouble by having a discussion with a person. Uh, oh, it was intellectual. It, wasn't it was actually intellectual. And, and they came around and said, I think you're, you're right. I was talking about... You know, herd immunity is a natural thing. I don't know how everybody expects to change the genetic uh, code of mankind. And, oh, my God, just, you know, but again, you get these warnings and et cetera. Now, on the other hand, now the way it's going out, if, if you, 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 can, you, can't, you can't have an open discussion. I'll just follow this for a second. You cannot have an open discussion about COVID. And yet the people who are pro-Russian and anti-Ukrainian here in the nation, um, they're screaming about, we, we, we can't have an open discussion because everything is pro-Ukrainian. So, and I started tracking those. They're the same people that were screaming that you ought to be killed if you're anti-vax. I mean, a lot of them, there's an overlap. There's like, huh? The world is so upside down. I, did, I don't have a scorecard. You, did you bring the scorecard today? No, but I... You can't give those people light a day. No. And, and I'll tell you something else I've done also recently. You know, all these networking events and everything that everybody goes to, done. I, I, I'm going to do a, uh, a piece. I'm going to put it on uh, w- one of our podcasts. I'm going to go at, at length about it. It might be a solo one. I'm just going to talk extensively about my experience doing all of these networking events. And all you, it just, they suck. <laughs> they, CEOs don't go to them. People of power don't go to them. They're just, they're just third stringer people. Like, for example, do you want to be popular on LinkedIn? This is what you do. You go to a networking event. You get everybody's name that you can possibly write. You write it down. Then you go back to your house or wherever you're at. Go back to the rock you live under. And you post all your pictures up there. But then you put a hashtag with everybody's name or the at sign 
so that you've got like 30, 40 people. Yeah, well, you tag everybody. You tag everybody. And then, of course, they say they liked it. And it kind of, that's how you do it. You got you got to work to get your likes. That seems to me, yeah, I don't know. Sense. What are you selling? If you're not selling trinkets. I, it's, it's a drinking club for most of these people. It's not, not there's nothing serious going on at these things. Yeah. I mean, this is the same observation you came to about chamber events in like the 90s or the or the 80s completely bummed up it's just like okay yeah there's a lot of interesting people there a lot of movers and shakers that actually you know have have interesting you know positions of either authority or run businesses or whatever but what what's the point like nobody there's every everybody there's pitching nobody there's buying yeah everybody's pitching Um, nobody's listening you know, same thing goes for all these networking events. Every time I go to one and just look around, it's like you see people talking and everybody's just glazed over waiting for their turn to speak. There's, yep. there's no real interaction going on. It's just it's just weird. So for all of you who are business owners out there and you have people running around doing all this networking stuff, take a look at your uh, return on investment and uh, fire people. Start cutting back. Good time to do it. Get rid of them. I can't imagine it's there's a... a solid return on investment for having a, a permanent networking position. It doesn't really make any sense, at least not from what I see. You know, I think we've had over the years, maybe four or five people have come door to door here. Not many. Uh, well, I mean, one guy is our current long guy. Yep. Go ahead. Just Fantastic. He's, pro- he's, he's by far the best long guy we ever had. So we had a service. Uh, the guy just stopped showing up. He's a guy who I think he had one of the larger lawn services in our entire county mm-hmm. that's true uh, he was in multiple businesses um i guess multiple related businesses and, and it's not just sense. our property it's not the residents oh, we yeah, have yeah. all of these homes that we manage not going to get into the details it's yeah, nobody's yeah. damn business we have a lot of properties that we take care of yeah there, there's there's a lot of properties involved in this contract but we noticed that well we haven't received service for a week and it became 10 days and it was just like okay well that something something weird is going on here we're done we're going to replace this guy and the and deal was always our property needs to look really good of course yeah this is this is a, this needs to be a showpiece and anyway so what we that the same day i decided that well we're going to call around and find uh get quotes from a handful of people in the area who are you know, serious in this business and, and replace the existing person because the service is ridiculous. He had missed like a, a day a month for the past three months or something. It was just kind of dumb. It is obvious. I mean, this is what you get in that business. You know, you get people that start to milk it. You know, they they get more accounts than they can handle and then they skip a week here and they skip a week there that, you, you know, you're paying for, but you don't get service. It's just, you know, it is what it is. And so anyway, uh, that, that day I went and opened up uh, the office uh, early in the morning and I noticed there was a... Uh, little flyer that was stuck in the door. And uh, anyways, it turns out it was this guy ended up being uh, working for this former person. This former person decided to shut down his business. And long story short, he, uh, I don't, I don't really know. He basically flamed out and he flamed uh, out and couldn't, couldn't handle it or something, something happened. But the current guy is used to work for him and uh, he's the best long guy we've ever had. He's, we've, he's been working for us for what, probably about six months now. Yep. And, uh, Rain, sleeter, shine. He shows up. Of course, we don't get sleep that often. Cause and he brings one one of his um, children. I love. I was. Yeah. I told you about yeah, it. the kid was out blowing it. I just loved it. It's like you and me when you were a little guy and we work in the yard. It's just he was great. I loved yeah. it. And uh, but he he's he's he like actually cares. That's the cool part. Yep. Um, he actually cares. He oh, it's winter. There's not a lot here, but there's a lot of leaves. He makes sure to tell you that. Oh yeah, well he's he's switching out and he's 
put on is mulching blades because there's not as much grass to cut. So that way we'll make sure to compost the uh, leaves and stuff properly. It doesn't create a dead area from too many leaves. Like just common sense stuff you would think that people that have been in this business would do or would talk do about or explain or, or just, you know, whatever. And instead, you know, it just makes sense. Um, anyway, yeah. But that's a good example. It's like um, I, I, think, uh, I think before that, we had somebody who worked for in marketing or something for one of these uh, newer nursing or assisted living facilities came by and we didn't know that they had opened yet. And anyway, it piqued us onto it because we, you know, we, we always are keeping track of those because especially because of the law firm, you know, there's every, every week there's at least one, somebody come going, going into one of those facilities. So it's good to know who's around and what their prices are. And all and just so everybody stuff. knows we have at any given time, 50 to a hundred, uh, a shelf clients that are in an a shelf meaning that we do a lot of work for them in a variety of different capacities they're in assisted living in in the memory care and you know serious need yeah they don't have the children they don't have you know there's a lot of issues there so yeah those things we would pay attention to yeah and it's always good to know who we can refer stuff to depending on the need right I mean, some people they need they need memory other people they just need some basic physical assistance it's, it's you know it's a complex area yeah, so you know we keep uh, we keep the in current information on all that sort of stuff. And anyway, uh, the, those people came by, so I think I don't remember exactly what facility it was. Off we went the top and visit. Head, yeah, but. you weren't there, but we went out, we visited and checked it out. And I can't remember was if that was the one down on Highway 200 down by 484. If that was the one over by um, 200 and Heathbrook, I don't remember. In any case, yeah. So maybe. they got business. Oh, for sure. I think we've referred probably 10 or 20 people all together there. And we don't take referral fees, so anybody has to so, worry about but that. But your point is that, yeah, I mean, of the of the things that we've gotten that are actual physical door knocks, I, I think in general it's been more positive than negative. Yeah, the, the only time we had a door knock that I really wish we had a need to hire somebody was the guy who he had his dress shirt on. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. I felt so bad for this guy. He uh, literally um, got laid off. And it was during the big housing crunch and yeah. everybody was, it was bad. And he said, I talked to him. He said, I'm, I'm up a crick and I'm not going on welfare and I need a job. I'll do anything. I'll mow your grass. I'll wash your car. This, he had a resume. I mean, he was a, an executive. He was like, I am desperate. Talked to him for quite a while, made phone calls and don't know what happened to the guy, but well, somebody I was, that, I was somebody impressed. With, well, somebody at that level of tenacity, obviously he was going to make it. Yeah. I mean, he was going to figure it out. I think that's kind of the kind of the obvious point you're making here. There was a guy uh, that made the social media news, whatever. Uh, it got caught up by somebody, and it, it ran. A uh, guy put a suit and tie on and uh, made a nice professional-looking sign, had his briefcase, had all his resumes, and stood on a corner and said, unemployed, looking for work, and handed out his resumes to anybody. Yeah, I refused that. money. Said, nope, don't want your money. I just, I need, I, I need a job. I, I will work. He got hired like within four hours. Somebody saw it. Said, oh, you're, for sure. you're hired. I'm, I'm done. Don't know what happened out of that. Hey, I want to change subject real quickly. Uh, so Interstate 4, you're leaving the downtown area. You're going out towards the uh, fairgrounds, 301 out that way. And before you get that, and, and it's a nice area. We used to have our office park office out there. Uh, we had the office park, uh, Southern Parkway Commerce Bank and all that, overlooking the, uh, the fairgrounds. But if you get off at uh, Martin Luther King and I-4, has some very nice um, establishments there. 
Shell gas station, restaurants, everything else. Not a good area. Very bad area. Mm. Um, if you look at what the houses are like in that area, right by the fairgrounds. And if you go to the east into Tampa, not good at all. Uh, they got a couple of uh, cemeteries over there. A couple of cops that were killed on the job were buried over there. Tended a few funerals over there and uh, internments. But that neighborhood is not good at all. Well, WFLA in Tampa reported that Hillsborough County deputies were searching for a shooter who killed a person and injured another. They stole their vehicle on Saturday night. Okay. And the sheriff's office said they responded to a Shell gas station at 6605 East Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Drive. That's a long, that's a lot. At 8.30 p.m. Now, here's the key thing. I've gotten gas there in the past. Okay. More than a few times. And uh, it's a bad area. Now, I had to get gas the other day, and, of course, I always have my gun with me. But I had a guy pull up to me, and I didn't feel comfortable. And I actually stopped pumping and stepped back and put my hand in my pocket. And I think he got the, he got the idea. It just didn't, didn't feel right. Had the same thing happened in Lakeland years and years ago. Um, right by the fairgrounds. I don't think people realize when you go to the fairgrounds, you know, you're happy, everything's going, yeah, not so good. They did not release a video. They did not release a description of anybody. Um, but one person was killed. So one person looking, is shot. So they're just looking for a person. They're looking for a person. And yeah. and but the beautiful thing is, it's good um, know, I guess you always have this thing. Those with information on the shooting can call. Oh, congratulations! That's useful. Our deputies are working diligently to find the person responsible for this senseless tragedy. The sheriff himself said. So we have a shooting, but we don't know anything about it. Sounds the like safety of this community is our top priority. How about giving us a description? Here's you know, Well, you know, that tells me they don't have one. Oh, but here's the thing. How about the victim? I'm willing to bet this is one of these, we're going to tamper everything down because what if the victim is a tourist? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that, that is the Florida way. If you've been here long enough, you know that. Yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to pick a fight with somebody, pick a tourist. I mean, you know, all these, here's my point. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you, you get, well, Disney run is, with it, run well, with it. Well, yeah, but Disney is just a, is just a, you know, if you are careful and you pay attention to the area and monitor the police kind of uh, patterns and stuff, Disney would be a fantastic one to prey on. I mean, I, you know, it was, I know it was in the '90s and early 2000s because you could turn on Orlando News and it would be as if it's the happiest place on earth. Do you remember that? You never got nothing bad ever happened in Orlando. No, no. It was like the villages, America's friendliest hometown. Oh, for sure. Uh, Yeah, nothing ever bad happened in Orlando, at least on the local news, because Disney made sure that that didn't happen. And obviously that's not the case, but good luck getting a, you know, public search for something horrible that had happened out to the public because nobody would talk about it. So I imagine it would be the same way today, just... I know I know Orlando news isn't that uh, pristine anymore, but I'm sure they still tamp down uh, tourist incidents. Oh, International Drive, the crime up and down that place is just unbelievable. It's always been terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you were kids, area, we were there. and yeah. That area was like, what, car theft central? For oh, absolutely. A long time. But I was going with, you know, journalism. It's just, how about, wouldn't it be nice if you had a journalist, a writer who said, we asked the sheriff's office for a description of the suspect or camera, and they refused. Just, just yeah, put them on spot, put on notice. Exactly. No, they won't do it. They don't care. Most of these articles are written by 
Bot. Some, some machine learning algorithm that spits all this junk out anyway. Yeah, tell. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What's that new uh, thing uh, Microsoft's got? Uh, chat something or another? Well, it's not new, but it's been around for a couple months. But Microsoft is integrating the OpenAI Chat GPT into Bing, I guess, as of today. Uh, chat GPT is basically just a chat bot that's machine learning driven. So it's got lots of uh, hilarious controversy because it's it's basically a mach- it's a, a, an English language based machine learning model that is designed to respond like a human would, but it's been trained on basically all of the information that they could find basically on public sources on the internet. So you ask it questions and it's able to do things and it's able to assemble multiple sources together and, and respond more or less like a human with real language would be able to. It is, it is important to note that it does not have actual intelligence. All it is is the ability to string language together. It's, it's a mathematical model, based, input, output based on input. So it's not, it's, not a, it's not a rocket scientist. It can be if you feed it enough rocket science-based information, but it's unlikely that it'll be able to do anything new with any of this information. It's primarily just compiling different pieces of, of information into one or, or whatever, or surfacing information for you. Although it is, it is fairly good at, at making up uh, some fairly rudimentary uh, hypotheticals. Uh, one hypothetical I, I asked it to do just as a test to see how creative it was. In general, it's pretty bad, um, but it kind of gets your mind working. Uh, a good example was uh, I, I made it, or I asked it to assemble a short plot point for uh, a Breaking Bad episode, and it, it did a pretty good job. It inserted some... It did really did. I wish you had that. that you, if you read it, it was really good. Yeah, it wasn't really good. It no, was, no. It, it was... For, for a machine and it what... Was, it was novel. Yeah. It wasn't good. It was comic book. Well, no. It was just it, given where we're at with this technology and, and how much experience any of us has with it, it was very novel. In the real world, in the real world is it very useful? Not really. Um, but like I said, it, it, it sparks your imagination a little bit. It kind of gets your, 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 your creative juices going, and I can see that, that being the primary use for it. But everybody's obsessed with, uh, oh, no, ChatGPT was able to give me instructions on how to do X, Y, or Z, or it was able to do a, you know, something political that they don't want it to do, or, or something taboo. And they're putting guardrails on it and stuff. And, of course, because it's a language model, is people are figuring out how to just coerce it to do things because language is, is what it is. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not go there. Uh, but I will say chat, chat, chat GPT, right? You know what's going to happen? It's going to kill podcasts. Podcasts are dead. Okay. Because, see, what's going to happen is, you know, somebody writes a book or they write an article, so you just feed the article into the thing. And then, so like one chat is there to ask questions and the other chat is there to answer. And they, you know, it's just a matter of. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm sure that'll be great. So, so some, so the, you actually. You, I'm not joking. Okay. I bet you I have, So you get my voice. I'm the author and I, you know, I do this test run. Yeah. We, you could do that for sure. Oh, um, come on. I thought people might enjoy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to give you a real world <laughs> example of this actually happening already. Okay. Um, okay. Somebody, I can't remember, an organization of people put together a Twitch channel. And okay. they created 24-7, nonstop. It was neural network-based video generation. Um, on Twitch, somebody created a uh, 
channel where they had a, they leveraged a machine learning, a voice generation, a neural video or, or, or yeah, image and video uh, creation, as well as, um, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was chat GPT, but it was uh, machine learning uh, prompted anyway, storytelling. And they created a 24-7 Seinfeld, totally done in machine learning. No kidding. Uh, image, voice, and, and story-driven uh, thing. Yeah, so they built, they built a model that combined all of these to do that. And it was, you know, extremely low resolution because the whole, you know, it's supposed sure. to be real time. And um, somebody, a, a popular uh, Twitch streamer, uh, even paid the, he I think they just had one slot, I'm not sure. But anyway, he paid a $1,000 a month on their Patreon so that he was one of the characters. And it was a whole thing. That's right? awesome. Very cool. Very very rudimentary. I, you know, it was very, I watched it for probably 10 minutes at most. It was very, it was very dumb, but it was as a technical demo. It was very clever. Well, it got banned off of Twitch for making uh, uh, transphobic jokes. <laughs> really? Yeah. So bots are being banned from Twitch. <coughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So that that's where we're at with all this. Uh, humans are more outraged about um, what a machine learning algorithm comes up with, apparently. Than you know. Yep. That's where we're at. So apparently the rules for things apply to bots. I don't, there, there's so many things you could talk about there. I'm not super interested in doing that right now, but it's, Hell no. it's baffling. No, that's a, that's a discussion you and I have. I will also bring up one other thing I thought was fascinating. Uh, there's TV shows, movies, et cetera, uh, CSI, all this CSI stuff. Well, that stuff is all so boring and procedural that honestly, it seems like that stuff could be written by bots at this point. Well, and uh, there was a murder in uh, 1987 in Pinellas County, um, and it's kind of weird. This is obviously written by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, or it's by a bot. But uh, detectives um, made an arrest. Both of those are likely. That's <laughs> uh, true. True. So detectives made an arrest in a 1987 cold case. <laughs> Lady by the name of Opal Well. She was 82. She was killed in her home. And um, they arrested a 55-year-old Michael Lepinski. And Mikey is in Mississippi, and they got him because not by collecting his DNA. It's, it's, they got his DNA. They, they, they eventually got him, but here's how they did it. They did not use that thing called 23andMe. They don't use that. They, they all say that those things they don't use. But they got... DNA from a company called Parabon. And what they do is they collect DNA that people voluntarily give it. So whatever, you give blood, God knows what, I don't, I don't know, I didn't do the research, but they have a, a huge database of uh, DNA. And there was some DNA from 1987 that was still usable, right? Things have gotten better and better. What they're able to do is say, you know what, these markers on this DNA, because apparently the guy you know, raped this woman as well. You know, he's a real shitbag. And they were able to figure out family members, genetic matches, and he just kept working it and working it and working it. And he was always a suspect. Apparently in this, they didn't have anything to prosecute to get him, but they finally were able to, okay, this this is the guy. They were able to get his DNA and is like, ta-da, this is the dude. So he's in jail. He's been uh, extradited. He's uh, now facing... 
Murder One for a murder back in 1987, cold case. That's cool. It's kind of cool. It's interesting. I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it's very cool. I think, uh, I think without, I don't know, uh, trusting DNA samples from 1987, I would be hard pressed to believe that even if I was on a jury. Well, that's um, not all they have. I mean, he was in the area. He was, okay. they, they have, yeah, I actually pulled it up and looked a little bit. I don't I know about think the, in general, this, um, collecting data from everybody in the world and then being able to identify people by DNA like that is, yeah, it's, it's up there on my list of things that are, give me the creep factor because the, the pause that factor. literally means that like anybody in your family could do something horrible and they're going to, oh, well, you're going to be looked at forever because you're going to have a per- permanent wiretap on you because, you know, somebody in your family was, somebody did something bad. I thought the technology and, was and interesting. going to be the justification going forward. Well, we see, you know, going back in the day when I was in burglary, some guys who were, well, actually I was in, I think I was in the street, any crime unit when we had the Hyde Park rapist was just going bananas down in in Tampa. And um, we also had a a case, I'll come back to that. We also had a case where um, we had a very high end burglar. I mean, he would crawl in under homes that were raised up and he would use a saw. This guy was good. It was, it was a big deal. I gathered one time he was under a house smoking. I crawled under the house and got all the cigarettes. DNA was brand new back in the day. I mean, this was pre-87. I was gone by 86. Merson, the old guy, said, oh, yeah, collecting cigarette butts. You're not going to get anything off those. But, yeah, nowadays you do. You know, you start to find things. But it just seems to me as I, you know, having I'm old enough to know and have seen this thing come slowly develop. I just find it fascinating. Like, oh, my gosh, how many cases we could have solved Back in my day, if we just had some decent blood sample you know stuff. What the honest answer of that is? It wouldn't have changed a thing. No, we used old school why? techniques. <laughs> but do you know why it wouldn't change anything? Why? The number of cases would probably be the same. Yeah, that's true. Because the difference is you'd be like detectives now where they sit on their ass that's true. in front of a television or a computer screen and they work through their digital forensics and they work through whatever the, the crime scene techs have gathered. And when they're out of that, they're out of leads and they move on to the next case. Well, the greatest so thing in the it, world is... It uh, solves a lot of stuff, you know, because you, you, know, you, you chase down the family. You do all the basic stuff you do. But the more sophisticated ones, you know, unless you get a piece of DNA or you get something that is uh, digitally incriminating on somebody... Well, everybody has their cell it. phone now. Yeah, but what about the person that is smart enough to leave their cell phone at home? I mean, that, that's, there's really simple stuff that you can do now to evade detection by the authorities that most people just don't think about because it's just so it's just ha- it's habitual low hanging fruit it's always been that way and i mean what is it the murder solve rate in the country is only like 60 percent. oh it's atrocious i mean it's, it's extremely low um chicago i think they solve uh, one out of every thousand but, you know the point is, is that i don't think it would really solve anything it just evolves how the investigators think you know, before you would work the obvious things and then you'd work to more, less obvious. You just kind of work it out and work it out and work it out, um, which is the way they should do it today. But unfortunately, they just seem to rely on the obvious things because it, it works a good a good percentage of the time that it helps their, their solve rate or it helps keep it up. But some things are still the same. We had a uh, rail car derailment in Ohio. Um, toxic uh, chemicals is burning like crazy. What are they going to do? Nothing, just let it burn out. But wait a minute. You mean there's not some kind of magic formula that you could no. put on it? No. Oh, but if you no, put the magical. magic formula on it, then you'd have to, EPA would probably come after you. So 
Well, I mean, there probably is a way to, to deal with it if you had the equipment in the area, but that's ultimately the problem. It's the same issue with uh, car fires. Electric car fires are a joke because you need the foam equipment to put out a chemical fire. There's been a few Most, Teslas and other vehicles like it that have burned to the ground. Nothing you can do about it. A few? Probably a few every day. Absolutely. Um, I, I still wouldn't park an electric uh, vehicle inside a house. The number of house fires that are started by just lithium-ion batteries in your in your vacuum or, or other electronic devices is, is atrocious. I mean, we literally had it happen to us, but it's extremely common, especially with your cheaper uh, Chinese mostly made electronics. Um, you know, very basic things. Uh, anybody who owns expensive power tools knows that your battery chargers, it's if you leave your battery sitting there for a while, obviously a lithium battery will discharge if you don't use it. Right. Um, don't leave things plugged in when you go away for the weekend or, the, or vacation. Well, that's what I was going to say is, so, you know, if you have one of these higher end things and you don't use it for a little bit, you come back and it's like, oh, the battery isn't charged even though it was left in the charger. And the reason is your it has a protection circuit on it where it stops charging after it's full. So it basically it disconnects and it doesn't charge it anymore. And one of the reasons for it is continually pumping juice into a battery is bad news. Um, obviously continuing to, you know, the little bit of discharge and recharge is bad. That's, that's not good. Uh, some electronics do that because they're designed for everyday use. Think of things like iPads, phones, tablets, laptops, stuff like that. Um, you know, in theory, you'd think the software, I, I don't know if anybody does this, but you'd think the software would, hey, I haven't been used in three days. I'm just going to let myself discharge until I'm used again or, or I get down to a certain battery percentage so you don't have that problem or it's less impactful. Um, but your lower-end electronics are always going to have that problem. You know, your your $80 battery-powered uh, handback is unlikely to have a quality uh, protection circuit in place to prevent a house fire, and that's happening all over the place. So I, I don't trust leaving that stuff plugged in anywhere, and I wouldn't. I sure as heck wouldn't leave a electric car plugged in in my garage. Oh yeah, no way, uh, absolutely no way. I, I don't plan on dying in a smoldering heap of fire and uh, and uh, embers. I'm good. Well, I have one other thing I want to chat about. I want to talk about Turkey. They had a couple of earthquakes over there, pretty big mothers. Oh yeah, and uh, you had a castle that is 2,200 years old, gone, destroyed. Yeah. Things been around forever. Eh, not forever, 2,200 years. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, global warming, global cooling, global change. Uh, these would be the movement of what are they called? Something called plates. What would that be? Tectonic plates. Tectonic plates. Oh, the earth is made up of these plates, and sometimes they move, and it causes a hell of a ruckus when they do, right? Yep. So why can't we, like, predict that? And You know what? Here's the thing. If only we had drilled holes into the tectonic plates and put screws and bolts on them and bolted them together, they wouldn't have had those earthquakes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Just you know, it's just like if you want to cure skin cancer, you want to spray uh, some kind of a foam in the air all around the atmosphere and that you know, uh, copper tone, copper tone in in the atmosphere. Yeah, copper tone doesn't cause uh, doesn't cause anything other than skin cancer, but that's a story for another day. Um, yeah, so I guess what, in reality, you had, uh, what, three major earthquakes, you had, uh, what, roughly an eight, and some high sevens that rocked, what is that, the eastern Anatolia yeah. uh, tectonic plate 
or, or fault zone there. I can't remember exactly what the name is. Um, yeah, it's uh, basically runs on the border between Syria and Turkey all the way over into Iran. Um, the Iranian area of that fault line is, in general, this area is very, a- it's it's fairly active. Um, there were a couple big uh, earthquakes within the past six months that happened in Iran, and a lot of people just kind of ignored it. The reality is, is these things are usually an indicator of things to come that's an indicator of movement, and this was a uh, nasty one. This is in an area where there's enough uh, other connecting plates, and it's of a such high amount of energy that you have a cascading effect of, of earthquakes. I mean, I think there's over... A thousand aftershocks just in the first day is just craziness. So, what would be the 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 relationship to having an earthquake that happened in Buffalo, New York? Well, it's it's the same thing. You just you get you you know energy energy has to energy has to dissipate somewhere, and it'll roll throughout these fault lines, and you'll get earthquakes in other places. I thought, yeah, I think it's just worthwhile talking about the fact that. You know, we have an Atlantic, we have the Pacific, we're isolated from there, but big big water didn't prevent somehow something, unless it's just serendipitous, that it also sh- shook some people over in New York. And I no, guess it, th- it absolutely is correlated. There's there's no question about that. So I think the thing that, that some people are talking about, I read just enough to be dangerous on this, is that I, I, you can look at a map of the day, like... 24 hours before and after, so like a 48-hour window mm-hmm. when this happened. And there were major earthquakes on almost every major fault line in the world. Which is not reported. But primarily, the well, I mean, I saw it reported, but no. primarily in the zones that are directly connecting to or secondarily to those fault lines in that area. I want to ask you, where did you see those? Because I, I focus overwhelmingly on business sites. I just didn't see. I don't know. I saw it on a, a website that covered it. It was probably one of these more science-focused sites. Fair, fair enough. See, the, for me, that's a business story. That's a business story that if you're in business and there is a worldwide cascading event of, of, uh, of earthquakes and we have these tectonic plates, what I would be asking is someone to look at the fault lines and what industries and what agriculture and what population centers are located here yeah that's how i make money well of make course. you know we make money on good but we also make money on when bad things happen to people well yeah of course and and the the main thing is is most of these other these aftershocks that, that happen in other places had absolutely no effect on the local area they're just not powerful enough yeah hopefully they'll stay that way for a while yeah well it's a gamble but the the deal with Turkey in particular is much like Haiti. The construction in these areas is very poor. Um, it's in an area where the Turkish government really doesn't give uh, two hoots about the people there. In fact, they're a- they're actively at war with them as we speak. I mean, Turkey's basically been involved in this uh, anti-Kurdish civil war in basically my entire lifetime, probably longer. Um, so you know, it's it's on. It's the same area of uh, northern Syria where uh, opponents of the Assad regime are at. Uh, again, Kurds, but also um, the other uh, miscellaneous groups. In fact, within two hours of this earthquake happening, one of the more devastated areas, the Assad regime uh, bombarded it with artillery. So they don't care about anything going on. They're just gonna, go. they're going to continue their war, their their fight against uh, whatever. Um, the Russians were very quick to come out and proclaim that they're uh, 
uh, what is it, Al Homs or whatever air base and whatever else, the, the Latakia air base, I guess. Uh, it was untouched and was fully operational and ready to ready to continue its regular activities. Um, so Those the, people are nuts. So the, uh, the the real warmongers had they were they were quick to make sure that they were battle capable and operational to do I guess continue to as as they would say in RT ten years ago the subjugation of uh, the the racist subjugation of the brown people east. Although now that they're doing that, you don't really get those stories anymore. It's curious how that works. Yeah. RT, interesting thing. Interesting to see uh, how, uh, like Dennis Miller, I used to really like Dennis Miller's comedy and how he went to RT. Jesse Ventura went to RT. Steven Seagal just went fat and went, rolled over and <laughs> into Russia. Yeah, where, where's he, Stevie? Where's well, Stevie? Last I saw Steven Seagal, he was making do, Russia movies. He was no, he worse. He was doing um, propaganda at prisons. Uh, where Russians had tortured and murdered Ukrainians. What was he doing? What kind of oh, propaganda? He was walking around showing how great it is and everything. What a piece of what a, a scumbag! Piece of shit. Absolute piece of shit. I hope he somehow comes back to the U.S. and we can throw him in a jail cell. Well, since you've used the uh, the S word, piece of shit, let's talk a little bit about Microsoft bootleg software. I mean, I mean to be fair, this is like saying, oh, some famous. Uh, uh, Russian, right? Let's say I don't even know any, but you know, whatever. Get some famous Russian over here. Oh, he's so great. Hey, let's go have him tour around Gitmo. See, it's great, fantastic. See, we're gonna film a propaganda piece with famous Russian for the international audience to show how great Gitmo is. Nothing bad ever happened here. It's great. Would would, would people here tolerate that crap, or do you think there would be massive outrage? How disgusting! The outrage would be off the charts. But they do it over there. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's the cultural difference that is very difficult for me to relay when we talk about the Russia topic. Well, staying on topic on that. cultural mismatch that we have when you're talking about values and, and, what, and what, what is fair game. So anyway. The, the people that are pro-Russian, anti-U.S., anti-Ukraine, uh, they'll take, you know, Anything, any straw they can, oh, yeah. and turn it into a straw house. Well, go back, going back to what you were talking about with, with Facebook, right? Uh, social media and all this stuff. These people, too much social media is obviously very bad for your brain because it makes everybody think they're an expert on everything. You know, oh, wow, I can, I can analyze, you know, I'm, I can analyze the Zapruder film and I can tell you exactly, you know, who shot, you know, who shot JFK. Remind me to right. talk about Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, exactly. You know, I, Okay, so before you could do the Holiday Inn Express thing, as I used to tell everybody, great one of the greatest commercials, that whole thing they made up was great. Is this? It showed the idiocracy of people. Okay, the this Three Mile Islands melting down, everything's going to fall apart, and oh, that's fantastic. Well, who are you? Oh, I'm staying at Holiday Inn Express. I was just in the area. It's just it, adjacent. I know just enough to be dangerous. You're the expert. I just, it, it, I could go on for hours on that. It's the wisdom of that, but it was lost on stup, stupid people. But go ahead. You were of saying. Course. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the, everybody's an expert. And the best one, I sent you a link to it earlier today. Um, there was a video of a Ukrainian drone dropping a grenade. <laughs> right. So, and it was one of these little tiny, um, I think the Russians call them VOGs. They're just like little tiny uh, anti-personnel grenades. They're real small. They have a really small effective radius. They're fantastic because they're light. You know, they're easy to throw. So for anybody that doesn't know us and hasn't heard us before, 
Uh, the, the Ukrainians have absolutely mastered the art and science of attaching uh, various types of grenades to drones and oh, being yeah. able Just to release them. And, period. I've seen, yeah. I've seen artillery shells. I've seen RPG uh, uh, rounds. I've seen grenades. I've seen, all, I've seen it all. It, it, it's a hoot. Yeah, so one of so you take a real light drone, like a little DJI thing that you know anybody with a couple hundred bucks can buy, and this one is I think it had one or two of these little light VOG grenades, you know, like I said, anti-personnel things. And there were a bunch of Russians. I don't know what they were doing. They were just behaving like I, I you couldn't tell. Based there wasn't a big enough field of view, but it looked like they were just being a bunch of idiots in a stream. They were going one way, like moving up and down a stream. One of them looked like he was lame. I couldn't quite tell what was going on. <laughs> it's a hoot. It's it, a hoot. It didn't look like people were bleeding everywhere, so I don't know. I mean, maybe this was just the lame, sick, and crazy crew, or maybe they had gotten chewed up in a battle already. I don't know. But it's beside the point. But the one guy looked retarded, the way he was yeah, behaving. He, he looked a little special. Um, <laughs> and anyway, uh, they dropped... So the drone is watching these guys, and he drops a one of these grenades next to him, whatever, and it goes off. And obviously, when you drop an explosive in water, what do you get? You get mist. You get a mist, yes. You get, you, you get water uh, dissipation. Energy, yep. Energy's got to go somewhere, guys. Um, especially in this case, it, the water was maybe be, uh, 8, 12 inches deep. It wasn't that deep. I mean, you could lay down and you could breathe, right? Right. Um, anyway, Everybody knows that would be mist. Everybody would know that. I would hope so. If you don't know that, then you should probably take a basic physics course. On but that. I'm, I'm yeah. hearing a big butt coming up. Yep. The, the, uh, the, let's call them the Q associated MAGA people. Yes. This was evidence of Ukraine using, they're so desperate and demoralized. They're using chemical weapons. Of course. I don't know how a regular grenade plus water is a chemical weapon, but you know, that's, that's where we're at now. These are chemical the same weapons. people who are saying a grenade that hits water goes boom, messes up the guy nearby flailing like a oh yeah, yeah. it was just it was it was pathetic it was, yeah that pathetic is the best word for it yeah it's just and hey you got a miss these are the same people are claiming oh yeah that's gas who were then when they figured out that that uh, when all these people were coming over the kid drowned and they staged him and and took pictures oh they go screaming yeah. hollering about that that's fake wait you, yes, exactly. Y'all are retards. But they're also <laughs> the same people that are promoting, that are still promoting. Okay. Russia has gotten, has given, has let go of this insane idea, but it worked so well on these people that they're still promoting the biolab theory. Oh, God. Which I, I hadn't heard about that in months, but then I, I had the misfortune of, of browsing a, 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 a QAnon watering hole, and they were obsessed with Zelensky's bio labs. And the well, Biden isn't Zelensky and, and Hunter Biden tied together with? Oh, yeah. They have a laptop. The laptop is a, is the key to the bio labs, right? Well, I also love that you have you, the president's son has obviously got issues, right? He's a drug addict. He's no, 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 no. He's, he's you a, can't say that. Uh, the best word to use for him is a uh, less pervert. Oh no, right? you can't say that. He's the yes. president's son. No, it's it's his his. Just because he was having a carnal relations with his deceased brother's wife, I mean. Okay, yes. But so the point is. is that <laughs> Can't go there. He not only did these things, he took photos of them. You know, he's got the whole meth teeth thing going on. Like all this stuff. But what, of all these things, like, yes, we get it. He, he's, a, he's a scumbag, whatever. Like every family's got like that one person that, you know. Billy Carter. Yep. No, yep. Nobody wants him around, but everybody feels bad. They always got to, you know, it is what it Everybody's is. Everybody's got one. Um, 
here's the reality, guys. Uh, the Q, the Q people, the the the, the, ex, the f- extreme magas, they're still obsessed with like Hunter Biden's uh, dick pics. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you have to say that? They're still obsessed with that, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, that tells you where their minds are at. Oh yeah. No, they're they're horribly obsessed with it. It's it's bad. Like these people are insane. <laughs> these people are insane. <laughs> It, it, it's, but here's the thing: you're obsessed with that, and you're also talking about other stuff. And we're now experts on uh, this week. We're experts on earthquakes, um, bio labs, probably chemical weapons, and because tanks and stuff were happening, tanks and balloons. I forgot about the balloon. Balloons and dick pics. Yep. <laughs> God, we got we went in the gutter on this. That's hey, funny. I didn't, I didn't go into the gutter. No, I know. People. It's these. It's these psychos and this is news buddy this is news i mean brought to you by abc cbs nbc it is to me because like these are some people's constituents oh yeah i know these people vote i've met enough of these people it's kind of scary i want to finish it with one thing you had brought up and we'll get out of here you brought up about the microsoft and i thought it was we had a fascinating discussion the other day you're talking about microsoft and and how china has just hijacked their software they don't pay for anything just everything India has done the same thing. India and China, geez, criminy. But what does Microsoft do for these major companies in China who probably even have, I don't know, Microsoft software, you said, in, in nuclear weapons? What do they do? Or at least, like, facilities. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, China is, is, it pirates everything. Uh, this, is, this is one thing that um, Russia was finally able to be convinced to stop pirating software and they actually pass laws and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russia became part of the world and said, Hey, maybe we shouldn't just steal everybody's stuff all the time. And then one of the first things the Russian parliament did, the war started in Ukraine and we put sanctions and stuff on was they immediately decided to pa- uh, abolish the law of uh, foreign copyright. So of everybody course. in Russia went back to pirating everything. Yeah. Right. But China, there's no such thing or, if it does, it's not enforced at all. I actually don't know that. Uh, I don't know whether it exists, actually. Uh, but it's the same way. People don't honor or follow copyright law at all. And I, I, this, I remember seeing a stat a long time ago, and everybody I've talked to that has anything to do with China always talks about how, yeah, everything there is pirated. Every copy of Windows, Adobe, any, any large suite of software, you know, if you're going into a facility to work on anything... One, it's unlikely anything will be standardized, but two, everything is 100% going to be pirated, which is comical because that's one of the main avenues of malware and spyware distribution is the actual pirated software is usually filled with malware, at least the good stuff is. So, you know, the likelihood of all this crap being backdoored by U.S. or other Western intelligence is highly likely, which is funny as hell to me. And nobody's going to talk about it if they have any kind of brains. Oh, no. But, my, but if you but, don't but, talk about it, yeah. all of the, well, you didn't know the balloon was flying over. Oh, you probably, uh, we're, we're, we're going to be attacked by balloon people. You know, sometimes you just shut your mouth and let people do their things. And Yeah. So the, <sighs> we, can, we can monitor you by your cell phone using, uh, you know, spooky spy satellites that nobody knows anything about. And we can put them in like geostationary orbit around your location. Mm-hmm. But yet we're scared of a balloon. We can't up, up according to these people. Oh, we just we this thing just appeared. Oh, we're so incompetent. We don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. 
and, and know you know exactly what's going on. Well, we've tracked China doing these balloon experiments for years, apparently. And this is the one that they got the most brazen with. But son, wait, wait, wait. They had a general who said that we, we didn't know it was there. The general came out and said that. And who was this? A Chinese general? Oh, maybe it was Chinese general. I don't remember anybody in the U.S. anything act stupid about this. They're just like, everybody just stop. Well, it happened during the Trump administration. You made a good observation. Maybe they shouldn't tell him because they knew he's nuts. I, I, I can tell you, I wouldn't have told him anything important. Knowing what I know now... All the stuff that's come out afterwards. Can you imagine being in the first couple of weeks in the transition and seeing how seeing how utterly incompetent he was? Yeah. And how out of touch. I I wouldn't have told him anything. Just hey, this is hey, you can you can thank uh, good old Ronnie Reagan for setting up the the steady state. This thing exists for a reason. Some, well, you some can, things are more important than than your than your silly facade well, of democracy. And when you've got a let's go side on weapons this. and and the potential for a, a total mess. I guess uh, some things some things do have to take a, a back seat, whether people like it or not. It's, Let's just go sidebar on this for a second. It makes you feel kind of gross inside, but it's what it is. I can't pull this out of my memory banks. What president, and was it the Reagan attempted assassination that caused everybody to sit down and have the... Yes. So that yeah, was, yeah, Reagan, Hinckley caused that, who is, who is free, by the way. Yeah, yeah. 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 When, when Reagan... Why hasn't somebody shot and killed that guy? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when Reagan had his assassination attempt, everybody realized really quickly, oh, crap, we have all this fancy stuff, but we don't have any serious backup plan to a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, in, in years prior, like, things were thought about with this, you know, on this level. Uh, I think in, the, in this time period was when we, you know, would develop, like, a safety system for nuclear weapons and, and chains of command and different things. And we would tell the Soviets, I don't know that anybody knows this, but, you know, like when we developed like these multi-layered systems for you know, how the authorization to do, to utilize weapons and different things, we, you know, we had to design fairly foolproof systems. And a lot of these are actually really well thought out. Yeah. They're analog. They will survive, you know, technology failures and all kinds of stuff. And it survives a president going nuts. Yes. It, it survives a lot of people going nuts. Right. Um, and so we develop all the we develop these systems because obviously everybody's afraid of like you know okay nuclear war and all these things and are one thing but what if somebody goes rogue we want to prevent that potentiality and so we have developed all these different methods and systems to deal with those and that's one of the things that throughout the years it's not just that though it's also like specific technologies on how to basically keep nuclear weapons safe. Um, designs for different things. And, and and to jump in real quickly, that movie, uh, Hunt for Red October, is the that was a real, uh, was it Hunt for Red October? Yeah, Hunt for Red October, where Gene Hackman and uh, who was the um, Denzel Washington. That was a, a real, I mean, obviously that was a movie, but that was an incident that actually did take place on a, on a sub. Yes, it happened in 1965 or six. It happened in a sub in the Gulf of Mexico. Yep. A U.S. ship knew that there was a Russian sub in the area, and they were dropping depth charges to make it come and surface uh, to avoid getting damaged. And they thought they were under attack. And uh, the guy who was the political officer on board, so Russian ships have first and second officer, and then they have a political officer. And the political officer has basically, he has veto power over the other idiots in the military. And uh, yeah, it's actually an interesting story. It's worth looking like. If if it, if he wasn't there, they would have sent the 
ballistic missiles and nukes probably floored on the east coast of the United States because they were that paranoid. Um, Russians, not even once. Um, anyway, so yeah, the uh, but my point is like so you know it's not just not just protocols and procedures, but it's also the technologies to keep the actual nuclear chain reaction safe, the different detonation pieces and all that sort of stuff. Like it's it's complex engineering. We gave those things to the Soviets voluntarily. We said, hey, hey guys, uh, you're just as crazy as us in developing these things, and we're not going to be able to convince you to do anything otherwise. Here's how we do it, because we know it works. Please do something that is sane to secure not only the actual weapons, but also the ability in the chain of command for their launch, please. Russians haven't exactly followed the chain of command thing. In the U.S., there is, as far as I know, there's only one person that can authorize a nuclear strike, and that is the President of the United States. And that goes from him through DOD all the way to the... uh, the Air Force dude who's going to press the button or be in the plane and whatever. Um, these days it'll probably just be an ICBM. But the um, in Russia, that's not the case. I don't know if you know that. There's three people that can do it. Okay. There's the president. There's, I think it's their equivalent of the head of, I guess their head of DOD or somebody like that. And then there's another person who's, I can't remember. I, I Anyways, but I know there's there's three different people that have the authority independently of anybody else to launch nuclear weapon or us it's just one <laughs> it doesn't really make you feel so great no no but what i will say is that you have a lot of people out there who can make a nuke there's no doubt about it. the technology's out there and it's just it, really involved no no it's really involved but there are people i mean you, look north korea can do it israel's got got them there's no doubt about it oh yeah i mean that's a whole nother discussion which we can't touch well, they have them. They don't talk about them. Just like, just like uh, Pakistan and China and uh, India had them, and eventually admitted they had them. Uh, what is it? I mean, in, a good example. Like people don't talk about this ever. Is India was under U.S. sanction for technology and stuff for years because they developed a nuclear weapon and they tested it. Yeah, in the air. No, no, no. They test underground. I thought they had one they tested near... Uh, the last above-ground nuclear test, I think, was... Um, I think it was France and Africa. Or okay, off the coast of Africa or something. In like the... Yeah, because de Gaulle basically gave us the middle finger on the nuclear test ban. Yeah. France is not part of it, and they just kept setting off nukes well into like the 70s or the 80s or something. <laughs> kind of respect him a little bit for that. But just because you can do it doesn't mean you can deliver it. And the delivery exactly. system is another thing. You, you might remember the yeah. movie called uh, Peacemaker, The Peacemaker, 1997, George Clooney nuclear and weapons uh, are Nicole Kidman. Yes, yeah, but nuclear weapons are surprisingly crappy tools if they're on the ground, like really crappy. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's basic physics, but, you know, big boom if... There's no dispersion of the effect. Right. And it's, and you know, especially if it's in a city or something like that where there's a lot of material around it or it's in a valley, you know, there's just not going to be the dispersion that you want. But I brought up Microsoft, I brought up China and India. And, and to, to emphasize this point, it's not just about the fact that, you know, you have pirate software uh, and you sit back and I wanted to show people the conundrum you have there. Um, maybe our tax dollars are going to actually support the hijacking of software. Maybe we have all these little Trojan horses that are sitting everywhere. 
Maybe that's the reason why, you know, some people in the know supposedly say, yeah, we kind of know when, uh, 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 let's see, uh, Putin takes a dump or Pooh Bear goes out and scratches his butt. And they, you know, we know what's going on. Um, we know that the, uh, the centrifuges in uh, Iran, uh, they were conveniently uh, spun to oblivion when, uh, oh, some kind of a software thing went crazy. So Yeah, they, they got a software virus that modified their... Um their uh, industrial equipment, um, uh, their PLCs, mm-hmm. uh, their industrial, I think they were Siemens uh, PLCs, uh, programmable logic controllers, to modify their existing software so that they were, their RP, the RPM on the centrifuges were off just a little bit, just imperceivable amounts, but it wouldn't report that it was off. So it was off just enough that the machines would in enough time wear themselves out and they also wouldn't create the, the desired product. It was a perfect, it was a perfect virus because they didn't know where they, they couldn't, it took them years to figure it out. Yeah. And that's the thing that, okay, when somebody it, it's, I, I like to use analogies. I, I like to use analogies like uh, when uh, it's like cattle futures, nobody ever, ever understood what Hillary Clinton did with the cattle future thing. It was just too complex. They understood Nixon in the Watergate because uh, that was a burglar, but burglary. So I like to use some analogies that are simple. It's no different than 40-plus years ago uh, being on a stakeout on uh, South Howard Avenue watching a convenience store, and we're watching you know, a couple of guys deal dope. We weren't there for that. We weren't there for the drunk drivers. We weren't there for the guy that screamed at his, his old lady and would slapped her and got her in the car. We weren't there for that. We were there for an armed robbery that we had intel was going to go down. That we had... To get these guys because they yeah, were absolutely. they were killing people and that's when I had one of my shootings you know I was like oh shit here it goes you know you can make the argument oh you should write this guy up because he didn't arrest this and no we're not there for that we were well, there for a higher yeah. thing well the, the, I, I was gonna say you said with relation to the you know are we supporting so, uh, po- software piracy and that sort of thing or are we you know in the case of like cartels and stuff are you know we prop up we could talk about that until the cows come yeah i mean we we prop up cartels because this cartel's better than the alternative um you know there's one cartel we actively trained like they're paramilitary people and some people will be like oh we can't do that it's like here's the thing knee-jerk reactions like that are are, make your own simple-mindedness self-evident the world is a lot more complex and and there's a lot there (laughs) People, people think of, you know, politicians and, and their influences and, you know, the corruption and all that stuff. And that's all very top, high, high top level stuff. I mean, the stuff that, you know, you have to really consider is, you know, I think, uh, you know, you look at cartels, for example. You look at um, uh, what's his, uh, El Chapo, for example. Yep. Like he's well known as a guy who is trying to create a cartel in that looks like a business empire. He wasn't trying to build. Took it just a little too far. Well, Started challenging the government. Well, no, he was just successful. Well, that's my point. And and the thing is, is we didn't care. This is the best part about El Chapo. We extradited him. I personally think largely, you know, like we're going to get his son too. I think the likelihood is, is that was the deal we had with him. Is if the if the Mexican federales go after him, then we will get him and we will make sure that he doesn't get offed. And yeah, we'll prosecute him and blah, blah, blah and all that stuff. But at least he'll be safe in the United States. Because the reality is, look at the people that are replacing him. They're psychos. El Chapo's people 
valued their business relationships over all else. I mean, they would literally, they're literally the kind of people that, yeah, yeah, we're, we're a, a, a cartel. We deal drugs. We're violent when we need to be, but violent, it's their bad business. It's violence as a last resort. Yeah. These are guys that would like, you know, help the local cops round up the local gangbangers who couldn't follow the rules. Yep. Stuff like that. And they instituted, yeah, I mean, they, they effectively created their own like parallel state with the Mexican government at a certain point. Uh, you know, people that follow the Mexican political scene, uh, I recall in the past 10 years, would talk all the time about, well, you know, these different states in northern Mexico have real more realistic political allegiance to a, to a cartel than the central government, even though the central government still has influence. Um, but one of the valuable things that nobody talks about is is the the calming effect that, that that his cartel's dominance had on not just Mexico but also American uh, gang culture, and that's all going away. It's gone. El Chapo's in jail. The Mexican federales successfully went and they captured his son. Finally, they tried last year. They got him this time. We basically put him in power, and that was a conscious decision because one of his rivals that they had to take out were a bunch of former. Um, uh, Mexican uh, army, basically special forces that our people trained. So then we trained his people to go kill the other guys. People don't know anything about this. Like this is the real world. The real world is extremely messy. Oh, hell's bells. What was that phrase you said this afternoon? People can't deal with reality. It was a cute phrase. I, I, I was going to jot it down. I didn't jot it down. Yeah. I said that uh, when most people are, most people when most people are faced with reality or, or reality stares them down, they, they back down or, or they run away because reality is ugly. The world that can't fit in your little box that you think it fits in, that you know, cable news or whatever your favorite social media or television or, uh, or uh, whatever source of news boxes it up in Diaz, that's just propaganda. Yep. It's, it's just another person's propaganda. And just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's reality or at least it's the total, total truth. Um, you know, uh, th- there's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors in play in these decisions. And you know, the reality is, is uh, the older I get, the more I realize that the, as everybody does, the knee-jerk reactions or in, in the opinions of your, your younger self, you realize how foolish and how, how naive they were. And it's not that it's right or wrong. It's just everything, there's, there is no right or wrong. It's just, it's shades of gray, as you would say. And it's, it's everything falls somewhere in there. And everything's a gang. I used to talk about that. I've told you how I had this, I'm not going to say the guy's name because he's still alive. And one day he said to me, God dang it, Truesdale, you, you say the damnedest thing. I said, what? We're a gang. We're a gang for the mayor. We work for the mayor. We're a gang. We wear uniforms. We have, the, we have gang colors. We got badges. We got guns. You're a legal gang. I'm, I'm a legal and gang. And that's what makes you better than the other gangs. Yeah. So it's like, man, there's no way. I said, no. You, just like, you reminded me how I used to say, don't screw with me. I have this little thing right here. Yeah. All, these guys, a hundred people are going to shake out of here in just five minutes and come kick your ass if you kick my ass. Don't do that, you know? Yeah. My rem- gang's bigger than your gang. <laughs> Pro- probably last thing, but that reminds me of the uh, the incident that happened in, I think it's Altant, uh, Syria. So the, everybody thinks that the United States has never fought Russia, right? Yeah, no, we've never fought Russia. Nope. <clears throat> yeah. No, I'm just saying. I mean, not officially. no. Nobody, th- nobody knows what you're going to say. No, not officially. Like right. we've never had a war with Russia. They've actually aided us in our uh, civil war and stuff like that, but not not officially. We've 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 had 
you know, bulls, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. I don't, what, what do you call it when two bulls are standing off and they're like staring at each other? I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. Mexican standoff, that kind uh, of thing? Stare you know, down? Yeah, I guess. You know, like Whatever. Two bulls staring at each other down. Yeah, yeah. But we've never actually had a fight. Well, that's not true. That's not true. We actually fought the Russians in Syria. And so uh, a little bit of context, uh, Russians um, and their Wagner group, um, this Ukraine war has been has proven that U.S. intelligence was 100% correct in that their um, Wagner group is created by this guy, uh, Yegevny Prigozhin, and he's a real piece of work. Uh, he's literally called Putin's chef because that was literally one of the things is he owns like a catering company or something that works for the Kremlin. So that kind of shows you the level of uh, trust that Putin has in him, that he trusts him to feed him. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And the guy is a former criminal. Uh, he, he spent 10-plus years in prison for, I think, child trafficking or something like that. Um, Pretty consistent so with some, Russian some, morality. Some, something like that. Some heinous some heinous uh, crime. I can't remember exactly. Um, and anyway, he, whatever, he, he's, he's in tight with, uh, with the Kremlin. And uh, Putin has made him a multi-billionaire many times over. And one of the things he created is this thing called Wagner Group, who until... Sometime last year, he said that everybody in the world is crazy. That he's not a he doesn't run a private military company. That this is something else, and he makes all he's made all these funny excuses until one day I think he got really drunk and he wrote on Facebook that you know basically my people are gonna gonna win and we have the best training in the world. And he basically admitted that he runs a private military. Company. And Facebook comes back as we yes. started. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was very funny, very much like um what the former president of Russia, what's his name, um. Medvedev, uh, yeah, Medvedev, 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 uh, yeah. How Medvedev he gets drunk and goes crazy on Twitter or Telegram every month or so. It's entertaining. To Is watch. he related to Trump? No, but he's 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 still he still holds serious positions in the in the Russian government, and he's that uncontrolled, I guess. Anyway, so point is, but he is not. The, the the Putin in waiting. He's no 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 no. He's he, already, he already did that job. Yeah. He he was Putin's placeholder until Putin got enough political clout to effectively abolish term limits. Um. So anyway, what's important is that this guy runs this Wagner private military mercenary group, and for years people have not really understood, but the internal politics of Russia are opaque unless you're U.S. intelligence, and then apparently you know when everybody poops. Um. But you know. Out here in the real world, we're just kind of like, I don't really understand what what is the relationship here. They say it isn't, but it seems like it is. But anyway, these guys effectively, this war has proven that these guys effectively are just an element of the Russian military. Um, they're commanded and controlled effectively from their defense uh, organization somewhere. And th this Prigozhin guy is basically like an organizational figurehead, and he raises money or, or is the primary conduit for funds. It doesn't really seem that he runs any of this. And then anytime he is out there doing things, it just kind of seems silly. Like he was running around in prisons, like trying to recruit people and things. It just seemed like it was all for PR to distract away from what was really going on. Anyway, point is this guy's been doing this for a long time. And it was, this organization was originally created um, very much like we were talking about in a very real politic kind of perspective that Hey, the Russian government. Uh, we we have these rules about deploying troops overseas. Um, like putting troops on the ground in Syria was a huge deal uh, politically for Russia, anyway. Um, but before then, you know, they have all these things that they want to do, influence and all this stuff. 
So, hey, this guy creates a private military company that's kind of basically run by the government, but whatever, and they're able to get around their own rules for sending people out to go do things. And, hey, it's just like the U.S. It's even better because it's private and nobody has to know anything when some guy gets his head blown off or something. So it's great. And so they've you know, been using these guys as influence all over the world, just like China does with their private security uh, contractors. Was it? China has like a thousand private security contracting firms with over 5 million people deployed all over the world doing private security. And like 90% of them are former PLA soldiers or officers. Um, they have, they have security contractors in basically every major city all over the world basically monitoring they've been taking chinese citizens out of the u.s they've been doing rendition renditioning people doing stuff there's there's very little monitoring people yep you know there's a lot of weird okay so just and and to tie this back to trump because it's very easy to uh turks do the same thing and uh people don't remember uh what is it uh I can't remember, Michael Flynn, uh, former head of the oh, Defense God. Intelligence Agency. That's the most disgusting he, story. Most people don't remember this, and now that we're in hindsight, is 2020, we know what was going on. He got in trouble with the FBI because he lied to them. That, that was his crime, was lying to the FBI. What were the FBI investigating? The FBI was investigating that during the transition, he had meetings with um, Turkish government representatives, and he was taking uh, consulting fees on how exactly they could rendition and get this guy who is a nemesis of uh, Erdogan, who's the leader of, of, of Turkey. Pennsylvania guy? Yes, Fethullah yep. Gulen. Is he still around? Yes. He didn't die. He, no, he's still hiding up in the Poconos. Apparently, rightfully so, because you can have former heads of the Defense Intelligence Agency on the payroll for Turkish intelligence, basically, advising them on how specifically to get this guy renditioned and get him out of the country. I'm not joking. And he didn't get in trouble for doing any of that. He got in trouble for lying about it. So we've, we've, the we've, best part, so even crazier, and I'll get back to my point, but even crazier. So later on when the Mueller investigation, everything got spun up under, under Trump and all that bolt, all that BS. Did you know that the head of FBI counterintelligence in New York was on the payroll of the Armenian uh, intelligence agency? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in Armenia, they're well known for oh yeah they, they don't like Russia at all right oh wait we just had they, another yeah, they do we the just Russians, had another fibra got Russians, busted the Russians were the only ones who backed the Armenians up in the Armenian Azerbaijan conflict oh yeah so yeah. The, this stuff goes deep and it's crazy and oh yeah yeah there, there's no there's no uh, Russian intelligence in any of this yeah my ass <laughs> but then so to go all the way back to Russia and, and the Wagner thing because this is actually a hilarious story uh, I. You can look it up. There's a, some good write-ups on it. But basically, Wagner Group was some Syrian government people in Syria. When Obviously, we're still occupying a part of Syria to this day. Convenient fact nobody talks about. Um, they, I guess, a couple hundred of these Wagner Group guys and uh, Syrian government, Syrian army people, uh, we're going to try and cross this river. Uh, we basically, the area of Syria that we control, basically, I can't remember the name of the river, but it's basically everything on the other side of this river we control. And the rule is you don't cross it. And that's the deal we have. And uh, anyway, uh, these guys decided they would try and push across the river because their intelligence showed that the only thing there was like this this outpost with like, uh, I think, 20 Marines or something. It was a Marine artillery unit and uh, some other small supporting stuff, like extremely small. It was basically a, a very small outpost. Um, anyways, these guys spotted the and their intelligence assets and stuff spotted these guys coming and they were like oh crap this is very unusual 
So they reported it up the chain. And they're like, hey, we got staging elements coming towards our position. And if you're 20 guys in a small outpost, it's like 40 miles from anything useful. Um, we can all imagine how we would feel. <laughs> I, I would be very scared. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, anyway. They Reminds call, me of the song from Buddy Holly. Yeah. This will be the day that I die. The, the, that's definitely what was yeah. going through these guys' heads. Um, but they followed procedure. They reported up the chain of command. Um, this happened to be a good day. There was some special operations stuff going on, so there were, there were a lot of assets in the area that were already in the air or pre-positioned and things. And uh, they also got lucky because I think a... Uh, I, I don't know if... It, I, it may have been... A, it was either a Delta unit or a Marsoc unit was nearby, and they ended up ge getting there before you know the crap totally hit the fan and gave them some extra fire support. Um, and anyway, uh, they ran it up to the chain of command, and it went all the way to, I think Mattis was defense secretary back then. And this, this is under Trump. And Mattis got it all the way to either Putin or um, what's his name? Shoigu who's their defense minister, still is this day, and asked him, hey, do you guys have anybody in this area? Because we have an amassing uh, group of people that really look like your guys. And uh, if you guys try anything, we are going to absolutely annihilate you. And their response was, we don't know what you're talking about, boss. So they're like, good enough for us. So, talk to you later. So uh, anyway, this group of people, apparently they didn't get the message from their higher-ups. And anyway, our marine, uh, marine artillery, uh, B-52s, um, I think F-15s or, or, some, or, yeah, I think it was F-15 or F-18s. I don't remember if they came off the carrier group that was in the area. And a bunch of other assets that were in the area, as well as this uh, special operations unit that was on the ground, basically just annihilated these guys. Um, one of the Wagner guys who was on the ground there said that basically they looked over and one entire company of guys basically just disappeared before his eyes as pinpoint perfect marine artillery just bombarded their entire area. Anyway, this thing went on for like two hours, and these guys tucked tail and ran away as was the result. What, the of leftovers. Yeah, 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 whoever was left. And the, the point of this is that it wasn't just people in some trucks. Like, this was tanks, this was artillery pieces, like, this is everything you need to, like, attack and siege an area. Russian style, of course, where you... Anyway, it's a very interesting story because the Russians don't admit this happened. We know it happened because, you know, there's after-action reports and all this stuff, and you have the anecdotes later from guys that are that survived it. Um, but, you know, there's dozens of people that died in this thing. Doing what? Nobody really knows. They were probably going to try and pull a fast one on us and, and play a game, and they, they lost out hard on that one. Uh, but the best part is, is that for us... Oh no, one guy was injured and it wasn't even one of our guys. It was, it was one of the Kurds who was uh, one of the, part of one of these mixed units where special operations guys work with them to train them and stuff. Yeah, I actually know a little bit about that guy. <laughs> he was actually a cook. He was making tea for everybody and he was serving it on uh, silver platters and they, oh, you, you, get the, the, you, you get those Russians over there. Have some tea. But apparently, Want some honey? But apparently at one point, like <laughs> enough people got close enough because they, they started getting attacked and apparently they rushed their base. There so you go. Things got crazy enough that these guys were running out of ammo. And there was, I think, I think there was like another convoy of dudes. I don't remember the exact specifics. But anyways, they were able to uh, pedal to the metal and get there. And, and they had resupply and stuff for them from another nearby base. But anyway, it's just, it's, 
you know, but here's the thing. That's it, called it, close it, combat. It goes back to what you said earlier. The, the point in mentioning this is, hey, these guys may have been outnumbered and outgunned by a lot, but hey, they have a radio. And in the U.S. military, that's all you need. And that's what I was referring I, to when I'm I was... Under, I'm under attack. Guess what? When I shake this radio, a thousand little green men are going to yep. come out of it. And in that case, it was not a thousand little green men. It was like a hundred plus uh, the aviation, uh, battlefield intelligence, and just the entire largesse of the entire U.S. defense organization, they can do that with one radio call. <laughs> Communications is a beautiful thing. I think we'll wrap, we'll get, we'll get out of here and wrap this thing up. Um, quick story. Do you remember me telling a story about being on the Courtney Campbell Causeway when it went nuts? I was by myself yes. and had a little riot. I'm yes. going to tell you, I'm going to tell a quick story for that. So I'm out on the Courtney Campbell Causeway. It's about uh, maybe one o'clock in the morning. We got bonfires everywhere. I don't know what the hell was going on. This is before the day of social media, but word got out. And they, I mean, it was party central. And it's so just many, like many riots that like, happened in the past that nobody even knows or yeah. it's not documented. Nobody cares. So anybody, but one happens today and it's like national news. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so for those of you who live in the Tampa Bay area, Clearwater area, there's a thing called the Courtney Campbell Causeway that goes across between Tampa and, and St. Clearwater. And uh, back in the day, that was a, it was a shithole. <laughs> It was just two lanes in one direction, undivided, two lanes in another direction. You used to have nasty head-on accidents. It was just trash. All the mangroves, people would go out there and party, uh, fornicate, get high, and it was just, it was a mess. Man, they were burning everything. They were having a high time. I don't know, it was college graduation, high school grad, I don't know what it was. There was no, there was no backup. We just didn't have the guys. Like, I need yeah. some assistance out here, mainly for traffic control. I can't put anybody in jail. Just please leave. Helicopter too came. Much chaos to do it's chaos. Just chaos. Disperse, please. <laughs> please, please get out of the way. And uh, I don't know how they did it because it's kind of a flight zone area, but the helicopter came out. And uh, I know the guy's name. I'm not going to say it. He came to me and said, Truzy, get in your car and close windows. <laughs> and I was like, I was dumb. Like, what do you, you know, you, you can't land out here. We ain't landing. <laughs> We're going to kick up some dust for you, son. Crop dust. Them. They crop dusted those sons of bitches. And I'll tell you what, that sand was everywhere. Ugh. It was ass. And people were banging on my window like, hey, let me in. <laughs> Kiss my ass. <laughs> You're not going. It was a mess. Those guys were getting in their cars, leaving, running to each other. The no Man, this guy hit me. I don't care. I, don't, I see nothing. I don't nothing. <laughs> you want to go to jail? You're drunk. No, I'm out of here. Just get the hell out of here. But you know, people don't know, you don't know those kinds of stories, man. It's organized chaos. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Well, uh, that is uh, that is uh, one of the one of my favorite definitions of warfare. It's it's organized chaos. Except the Ukrainians got some damn communicate good communications compared to the Ruskies, and uh, that's making a big difference. There's a lot of little things that make a difference. There's a lot. When you're fighting the Russians, every little thing counts. Mm -hmm. And the Ukrainians have a lot of little things. Um, I think uh, by the time this is over, fast forward 10 years post-conflict, the Ukrainians are going to be a scary, scary, scary force to be. Oh, absolutely. With. They are never going to let this kind of thing ever happen again. I mean, they're already a very martial society. Obvious, it's obvious in their ability to respond to this. Um, it's going to be even more so going forward. And, th and that's the thing that the conflict really is profoundly confusing to me, having very minimal knowledge of the situation going into it, having bits and pieces of information that are were seemingly either propaganda, pro-Russian, or, or, or other interests 
that you know just preconceptions that were just based on things that I observed or, or in or media that I, I absorbed. And it's crazy because if you lived in that region and that was your primary thing, you know, that was your, you know, if you're Russian, your primary intelligence focus is your neighbors like anybody else in the world is. It's baffling to me that they missed all of this. Yeah. They made the decision they made because all they did is they created a permanent hornet's nest. Even if they had good intentions, which they did not. The, well, let's just they, use the word hubris. The hubris yes, they had. Exactly. It's, that's, it, that's exactly what it is. It's hubris. They, they're, they're psychotic because there's no way this ends well for them. No. You, you brought up something about Russia. Uh, Ukraine would be a, a scary, scary place. I'm, I'm going to relate it to I mean, my... scary in that they're like, they're, they're martial proficiency, which is, very, which, is, which is the reason people are afraid of the United States. Like you can, you can view individual anecdotes about silly or ridiculous people in the military or just certain decisions that were made or things, right? Excessive procurement costs on this thing or that thing. But in general, there's nobody lining up to fight us and there's a reason for it, right? Because if, I mean, if there was an actual power vacuum, it would be filled. That's the reality of the world. Nobody's lining up to do it. Yeah, with, you know, with Russia, the problem is, is they're creating their worst nightmare. Oh yeah, no, they and are. that's assuming that the Russian state survives this, which I don't know. Will it? I think that's the million dollar question right now. All of this relates to economics, what we do, forecasting, and basically the psychology of uh, intelligence and analysis, and and keeping your wits about you. I'm going to introduce a, a, a term, two terms. One is the word operator, and the other is W H U A. WHUA refers to working with head up ass. And I had a lot of men and women that I worked with in Tampa and, and anywhere else that just they were WHUAs working with head up ass. Um, they're just going through the motion. You see those. And, and honestly, that's most people. Yeah, I'm not being mean that, about that's it. That's not a negative thing. Yeah. Here's the thing you have to create systems that properly integrate and organize those people. And right. If you fail to do that, you will have an ineffective organization. Right. A lot of people, self included, will sit back and you know, especially especially in the past, be annoyed or bemoan the reality of a situation instead of just like, okay, that's just how it is. We just need to how do you, how do you take advantage of the situation? Because right. you know, no nobody no, does. Nobody has do. the power yeah. to properly fix it and make there. There is no perfect. But I, I I say this because you know I've met many tens of thousands of people and just law firm alone. Uh, I use the word operators, and we, you know you've been with me when we there's there, there's an, there's an unwritten instant understanding of each other is like, you know, some other guys an operator. I mean, you, you did the business and you just, you know, just, you don't have to talk about things. You, you got it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, some of the most annoying people I think uh, I've, I've ever heard you mention who have come through the door of the, 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 let's call it the blowhard cops who want to tell their three stories about, you know, their small town and oh, yeah. talking about those guys that, yeah. They, they, of course, they think that, you know, uh, us down here in Florida, we're just, we're just a bunch of dumb hicks. Yeah. And we don't know what we're doing because, you know, they were a cop in New Jersey there. Yeah. And, and, and you know, <laughs> a lot, you get, a, don't, you know, this is going to upset people, but you've got so many of these guys in New York. It's like, you know, um, you're just cannon fire. You don't do anything. It's what, just, the NYPD? Yeah. The, the New York Police Army? Yeah. NYPD has more people than most armies have. Like, I'm not joking either. Like full-time paid people. What is it, like 60,000? Yeah. Do you have, many, do you have few armies have 60,000 full-time people? Most of them. Yeah. But there, there are places in this country where 
I mean, it's a hellhole. It's Fort Apache. It's the Bronx. And, and, and yeah, I have enough opportunity to work with that back in the day. And there's a, there are several places, you know, uh, many of the, uh, of the uh, districts, precincts, et cetera, uh, ramparts, you know, East LA. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of those places. Yeah, Hell's Bells. Did you see about a doctor that was murdered in a place that we go to in Corona Del Mar? He's riding his bicycle. He's got a day off. It's beautiful weather. He's riding his bicycle. That guy runs him down. He flies nice. in, hits the windshield of the, of the car. Bicycle goes, goes flying. He sprawled on the ground. And what does this shitbag do? He stops his car, turns around, gets a knife out, and starts stabbing the doctor to death. Make sure he's okay. killed him. Unbelievable. Other people in the area. and, so and Obviously premeditated. Got it. So do you remember... When okay, I'm I'm not gonna I can't get the name of the street. I uh, I think it's Canyon something. I, I it'll, it'll come to Canyon Canyon Rio 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 R I O Rio Canyon something whatever. It's it's where it's it's just really pretty where you you go down and then it, it, uh, the Grove is up the street. Anyway, it's just a really pretty area, right? We've been there. Um, I can't remember the name of the I don't know if it's a Hilton the Four Seasons. I don't know where it is. It's right there. Okay, this is a beautiful area. You 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 never know where you're going to be. It's turned there. There are there are some cops that have they they do real police work. I mean, it is in even some of these nicest areas. It's a shit show. Oakland. If you're an Oakland cop, God bless you. I mean, it's rough. Uh, San Francisco. It's rough, but you know you can't. You got to let everything go. You can't. You can't stop shoplifters. I mean, you're you're kind of like you just you're 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 uniformed cannon fodder waiting for it to hit the fan. Ah. Yeah. It is what it, my point being is policies make the city. Yep, policies make my point being is that I know what I experience. I know when I see another operator out there, and whether it's in the military or civilian law enforcement, Ukraine is going to have a ton of those people. A ton of those people. Oh yeah. And those people breed hard people. Breed hard people. Uh, you and your your brother and uh, your sister. I mean, you you get you. It's through osmosis you learn this stuff. Most parents are like. Oh, Johnny, you know, Bobby hit you, turn the other cheek. I always said, no, Bobby hit you. You didn't do anything. You hit him back. Not once, twice, you put the son of a bitch down. And that's all there is to it. And uh, you guys have done it. I don't care. That's just the way it is. People, oh, but you got to, oh, always turn the other cheek. Yeah, turn the other cheek and get stabbed. No, I don't think so. No. No. Okay, it's time to get out of here. We did a long one. Anything else before we roll? No, I think that's it. We covered enough. There's a lot more to talk about, but. Oh, yeah. We'll pick us up again. We're out of here like to start with a list of people I can do without. A proctologist with poor depth perception. Any woman whose hobby is breastfeeding zoo animals. A cross-eyed nun with a bullwhip and a bottle of gin. A waitress with a visible infection on her serving hand. And any man whose arm hair completely covers his wristwatch. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> and that's why I now prefer to work alone. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. 
Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but uh, you remain one. People got no respect for the brain dead? sell $10,000 worth of this stock, I will personally give you, and I hope it happens. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you doing today? You mailed in my company a postcard a few weeks back requesting information on penny stocks that had huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? Okay, great. Well, reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. You got a minute? Name of the company, Aerotine International. It is a cutting-edge, high-tech firm out of the Midwest awaiting imminent patent approval on a next generation of radar detectors that have both huge military and civilian applications. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analysts indicate it could go a heck of a lot higher than that. Your profit on a mere $6,000 investment would be upwards of $60,000. Exactly, you could pay off your mortgage. John, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. And in the case of Aerotine, based on every technical factor out there, John, we are looking at a grand slam home run. Okay, let's do it. I'll do four grand. 4,000, that'd be 40,000 shares, John. Let me lock in that trade right now and get back to you with my secretary with an exact confirmation. Sound good, John? Great. Hey, John, thank you for your vote of confidence and welcome to the Investor Center. Yeah, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. How'd you fucking do that? <laughs> just like that, I made two grand. The other guys looked at me like I just...
There's a garbage can in the northeast corner. You drop the bags and leave. 